um, because I actually did have a way I wouldn't normally start a meeting, um, but I did have a dream last night where I was listening into our meeting, the church service, which I felt was today, and it wasn't my voice, it was my father's voice was presiding over the meeting. And um, so I could hear dad's voice, you know, presiding over the meeting. And he had brought what was like dozens of people with him to our service, which, you know, wouldn't fit. But there was dozens more people here. And they had bells around their necks, like um, almost like a necklace with a bell on it, like a chimey little bell, like the high priest would wear at at the hem of his garment in, in the Old Testament, you know. And so there's this there's this there's these people that were there and they were almost like part of the the choir so to speak that were part of the the message and the service that day and when he was dismissing the service and and we were starting our prophetic teams like which we will be doing uh pretty soon here um he was actually calling them and so it was just this strange (laughs) this strange dream but what i took from that is that is that there really is an authority here today that the father does have an agenda and the bell, the, the freedom, the ringing of freedom is his agenda. And so I do feel like there will be some deliverance here today. And I do feel, feel like there will be some wholeness added to people's hearts. And the Lord wants to do a healing and touch some people today in a real way, in a real and profound way. And so, you know, maybe delete that if we put this on the podcast. We'll cut that part out and just give the message. They don't have to hear the behind the scenes how this thing happens. But um, I do feel that the Lord, he wants wholeness and healing and freedom for for people's hearts that are here today. And so we're going to pray for that. And we're going to minister that alongside of heaven and, and in this new covenant, glorious covenant that we have, this second Corinthians three, this, this covenant that's with so much more glory than the old covenant, which Moses had. Um, there's healing and wholeness for us. And, and hopefully you'll be patient with me as I try to navigate that through teaching the Bible and, and putting this in a way, because I, in my understanding and the way I've seen it work so many times is, is that healing and deliverance, not so much, which, you know, you've seen it, you know, people flopping around, you know, from demonic possessions or whatever. But when it hits somebody, it hits so much more like understanding. It's like, it's like an understanding or a revelation from God a lot of times is like a memory. It's like, I knew this. Oh my gosh, I knew this. I've known this forever. And um, it's, it's an awakening. And so many times, you know, even that 2 Corinthians 3, it talks about a veil being taken over our, from, from our eyes and being able to see that which is real, being able to see God as He truly is. And the reality is the goodness of God, His kindness and His love, which you guys were, were singing, they were leading us in singing, um, is what ministers the healing of God to our hearts and transforms us into something that He's already paid for. And, and there's these stories of the glory of God and um, how, how the new covenant should be the, the ministry of the spirit, as it calls the new covenant, Second Corinthians 3, 8, shall be of so much more glory than the ministry of condemnation, the Old Testament. And it's literally referencing when Moses was was receiving the law and when he was ministering before the Lord and when he was bringing it to the people, how his face uh, glowed. Like, like, you have any 80s people in here like, like me? Like, you have those glow worm toys when you were kids? You know, those, those things would glow in the dark? You know, I don't know if, if, if we have anything toys like that. But it's like his face would actually glow to where the Israelites were afraid of him after he'd been spending time with God. You know, and it's like his tent 
when you look at it in like Exodus 33, when this, this kind of story happens, his tent would be set up outside of, the, of everyone else's tents. And he called it the tent of meeting or the tabernacle of meeting where he would actually go meet God face to face, it says. So he would see, see, he would see God in a, in a personal way. And when, when Israel would see that he was meeting with God, they would see the pillar of fire or the cloud by day, that pillar of cloud that hovered over them would actually move and then like it'd park itself outside of Moses' tent. And that was God meeting with Moses. And the people would watch this connection that was happening and they'd bow down and worship on the ground because it, it was so holy and pure and it, would, it was so much wonder and awe and it was just so incredible. They would actually step out outside of their little houses or huts, tents, and and bow down and worship God who was actually out there meeting with Moses. And, and so you have this story that's, that's kind of retold slightly in 2 Corinthians 3 about the transformation and then the, the healing transformative power of our new covenant. And it likens it to Moses having a glowworm face. And um, it's like, yeah, th- yeah, thank you. Um, but... It says, but we all, 2 Corinthians 3.18, you hear this here a lot, and I want to cut, really go into it in the Old Testament, what it's referencing to. We all with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. It's taking this encounter Moses had where Moses asked to see God's glory, and his face glowed from it. And it's actually putting it into our reality. Like we're living this same reality. And in Christianity, it's like John the Baptist said, behold the lamb who takes away the sin. It's like it's nothing that we do. It's something that we behold. And then it causes a chain reaction within us. It's like we, we behold the goodness and kindness and gentleness and love of God. And his true identity is his real, true, pure nature. And it sets off a chain reaction where it manifests itself in us. And we manifest it, not like glowworms, but that same glory, that same essence of goodness and kindness and love and authority and power to the rest of the world. And it says, as the veils are taken away, we behold. As the misconceptions that we have about God are removed from us, we are healed and we are transformed. It's a transfiguration, just like Jesus took the, the three disciples up to the, the mountain of transfiguration and, he, and they saw him as he truly was. It's something we're called to step into where we are the only religion we're transformed not by what we do or necessarily what we know, but by who we know and who we behold. The more we see him, the more we're like him, the more we're transformed into his image. As the images of God on this earth, in this this planet, in this dimension, to set other people free, we are carriers of the divine nature. It's this brilliant and beautiful thing. But the glory of God is the key, seeing him, to all of our healing, to all of our freedom, to all of our transformation, to the very things I'm gonna, we're going to try to get into today. And it's something that causes us to see him as he is. So I'm going to go into Moses' life a little bit. Maybe we'll do a Cliff Notes version because I really just want to be in Exodus 33 and 34 because Moses' life, it's, it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's a pretty, Exodus is a kind of a long chapter if you've tried to sit down and read it straight through. But Moses, man, you know, he was raised in the house of Pharaoh. He was one of the elite in Egypt, even though he was a Jew. And he, he 
he actually starts, tries to start a rebellion and commits murder. <laughs> you know what I mean? He sees, he sees an Egyptian man mistreating a Jewish man, and he steps in to fight him and ends up killing the guy. And it's interesting because Moses is somebody that went through, like so many people go through, so much rejection, so much judgment, and even something that really clouds people's visions. It's really, it really is a veil of the way we can see God. Um, he went through major disappointment because when he was young, it's interesting, Stephen said this in Acts 7, it said that like, he supposed that, that the Jews would have recognized that he was going to set them free in Egypt. So when he was a young man, a prince of Egypt, he actually had the thought that God, the God of Israel, was going to use him to break out the rest of the Egyptians. And so he actually tried to do it in his own strength and by his own flesh and, and ended up committing murder and getting ran out of town. So here he is living in the desert for dozens on dozens of years until he's an older guy, feeling like, well, that calling that, God, that I felt God had for me to lead the Jewish people, the, the Israelis out of Egypt in bondage, I sure missed that. I, I, I was certain it was the Lord, but man, when I was young, I was so zealous and I had this heart for God and I had this purpose and I had this destiny and it's just lost now. But at least I've got a beautiful wife and I, you know, I live on, you know, way out in the desert and I'm, I'm, I'm doing my blue collar work as a shepherd. And, but, it, you know, at least I've got it somewhat good. But he had all these grids of God, thinking God was going to do something that he didn't, thinking God told him something that he didn't come through on. You know, you could look at it in several different ways. But then he sees the burning bush. He sees that burning bush. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, the Lord spoke to him out of the bush. So Moses enters into this relationship with God and he starts communing with him, um, a God that he's really doesn't really know and he's really uncertain about. God literally calls him in Exodus 4. He calls him, says, yeah, I'm actually going to send you to the world powerhouse of Egypt now. And it's like, why, what about when I was young and I was super hip and relevant and strong and I had all this, all this, you know, I was ready to rock. I was the 1% in, in Egypt. I could have really made some moves. It's like, well, now's actually the time. And don't be afraid because I'm going to go with you and I'm going to be with you. You know, what's that in your hand, remember? Uh, this is my stick that I carry around. We'll throw it on the ground and see what happens. Turns into a snake. Pick the thing up, you know, all these little magic tricks. He puts his hand in. It's got leprosy inside of his, you know, pulls it out. It's clean. All these tricks that he gives him, and he sends him on his way. Exodus 4. I love that in Exodus 4, God sends him to go do this destiny and this purpose. And then in Exodus 4, 24, when he actually sends him out, the Lord said, go back to Egypt, speak to Pharaoh, say that Israel's my firstborn, say, the, say let my son go, let my people go. In the very next verse of Exodus 4, 24, it says, it came to pass on the way that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. And it's like, what? Then Zipporah, his wife, took a sharp stone and and circumcised their son, and through the circumcision, the skin, the blood, at, at, at Moses' feet. And so the Lord let him continue to go on the mission that he had called him. And if you've ever read these things like a... Yeah, see, thank you for that. If you've ever read these things like a regular person, not just like a Bible story, like, nick, 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 you know what I'm saying? But she's like, it's like, all right, Moses meets super failure, he gets old, he's in the wilderness, but, but he has vigor and he's strong. God calls him again. God empowers him, tells him to go break his people out. 
Three verses later, God shows up to kill him on the way, and it's just like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Moses had just met God. He's just ran into God. Now he's going to do what God says, and in his perception, key phrase, it's as if God shows up to block what God has called him to do. This is the bipolar God that so many people in the world are afraid of to this day, the bloodthirsty pagan God who wants to beat his own son in order to forgive you, right? Which isn't really forgiveness. That sounds more like a payment, but that's one of the many holes in that story, in that version. So it says in his perception, it's like he, he comes, but, but Zipporah, his wife, for some, somehow had the understanding of how to circumcise her son, th throw this blood covenant of the son in front of him to actually keep moving. And, 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 and God says it's okay. So then the story picks back up again and Moses continues on down the road. He comes and meets Pharaoh. He throws the stick on the ground. You guys know the story. You, the plagues happen. He has all this thing. He becomes this great, incredible leader who breaks by the power of God all of the people of Israel out of Egypt. He sees the plagues. He sees the Red Sea part. He sees all this brilliant stuff. If you're still hung up on the whole God came, showed up, tried to kill him, and rightfully so, um, that's, that's a, a kind of a strange thing. But there's something to the prophetic walk of Moses' life that Moses didn't even fully know. That there's a point in your process with God where you go no further without literally the Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. The blood covenant of the Son, it's like there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a position or a place in life where you can walk no further by your own strength and according to your old identity. It's the new identity of the Son, the blood of the Son. And, and all of this was a prophetic act that Moses was literally walking out. It wasn't a bipolar God. It wasn't God changing his mind. It was Moses getting to know God and his mind being healed from all the misconceptions that he had of who God was. Okay? It's very similar to the Christian walk. So he breaks the people out of Egypt. The Red Sea parts, you know, they go outside. They have manna in Exodus 16. The, the, the bread of heaven is falling every day. They got quail. They've got all this incredible stuff. They have water that comes out of a rock for them. There's all this supernatural provision of Egypt being, being stripped from their mindsets and learning to walk as the sons and daughters of God. But Moses, coming back to the, to the real essence of our story, still had questions about God. He still had misconceptions about God in his heart from all of the experiences of his life, which so many people still do here and now today. And we have this, this passage, which we, we quoted here in the, in the commentary of 2 Corinthians 3, where, where Moses is actually meeting with God in his tent, in his connection, before his face starts glowing. And he asks him a question. He asks him, really, it's two, two questions. He's, he's, he's explaining his heart to God, and he's actually showing his heart that, yo, I'm scared to continue moving forward. Yeah, you've brought us out of Egypt. The manna thing is cool. You know, there's water coming out of a rock. However, like we're going into the promised land. Now we're coming into like military conquest and I've got to know, I've got to know that you're with me, that this isn't some religious game, you know. And so many times I think there's a, there's a hitch in people's hearts. There can be wound, there can be pain that we have from things of the past 
that skew our view of the goodness of God. And God is altogether lovely and altogether good, and His plans and His purpose are for life and prosperity for all of us. And, um, but the reality is, to have faith and, and walk in those things by accepting them means that we actually choose to actually be delivered from the lies and the misconceptions of the bad dad, of the bipolar God. And God is eagerly wanting to displace those false beliefs of who he is in our hearts by us seeing who he truly is, right? There's something here. Moses speaks to the Lord. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face in the tent of meeting. And in Exodus uh, 33, Moses is, is saying, hey, Lord, you've told me to bring the people up, but you have not let me know who you'll send with me. You've said that you know me, and that I, found, that I found grace in your sight. But please, I ask, that you would show me your ways that I may know you. Exodus thirty three thirteen. There's something different between knowing somebody and knowing their ways. It's, it's a deeper, intimate knowledge. And the question that was coming out of Moses was really, truly inspired by God. Like, I know you, but there's fully, there wasn't fully trust there. But he was asking me, you've said these things, you've said I found grace in your sight, but would you show me your ways? I want to know the true you. And this is the very essence of the veils being removed from our eyes so that we can see as God sees. When he asked God to know his ways, God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, Moses said, well, if your presence doesn't go with us and doesn't bring us up from here, how, will it, how then will it be known that your people have found grace in your sight, except that you go with us? Like Moses is even doubting God to God. Like, are you sh- you're saying you're coming, but like, kind of like, but is this kind of a trick? Is this going to be like in our minds? Is this going to be like last time when I went through such and such a thing? I'm trying to choose to step in faith. I'm trying to, to choose to walk forward. But I really want you to t- give me your word here, you know. The Lord says, I will also do this thing that you've spoken for you found grace in my sight and I know you by name. Moses then asks him the the hitter question. He says, would you please show me your glory? And this is our 2 Corinthians 3.18. This is the place where all healing and transformation happens. We behold his glory and we're transformed into the same image. So God's answer here Sometimes I feel like God is waiting for us to ask the right questions in life. But his answer here is like, I will make my goodness to pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I'm gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But you can't see my face for no, <laughs> no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me and you will stand on a rock. Doesn't that sound familiar on this rock? So it shall be while my goodness passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but you shall not see my face. So it's interesting. Here we're watching this like a movie, maybe from a distance, because they're at this glorious, this tent in the desert with this pillar of fiery looking cloud that's hovering over it. Moses is talking to God. He's expressing his fears and concerns of the future and moving forward and all that he's called to do. But you have him saying, I want to know your ways. I want to know you intimately. 
God assures him that he will. He's even more comfortable. And I want to see your glory. I want to know your glory. Glory is a term that we kind of kick around in the, in the charismatic side of the tracks. So, oh, glory, brother, you know. How are you doing? Oh, I'm going from glory to glory, brother. You know, we say these types of things. But glory is really defined here. I want to see your glory. He's like, yes, I will let my goodness will pass before you. The glory of God is the nature of God, his goodness, the love of God, the very essence of who he is. It's not like, oh, that was glory. Oh, welcome to the glory bubble, you know. It's, it's, it's actually seeing God for who he truly is, which produces the same within us. And see, sees the good shepherd, the one who said, like, come to me. I am gentle and I'm lowly in heart. It's all these essences and natures of who Jesus truly is, is the glory of God. And it heals everybody. It heals everybody who sees it. It transforms them. But it's interesting. It's like, you can't see my face, but I want to. I will let my goodness pass before you and I want you to see what my back looks like. That's a strange thing to say. <laughs> Is it not? Unless you've read the entire book and you know what his back looks like and, and by his stripes that we've actually been healed and the back that he, he turned over to us to actually beat the tar out of him, the flesh out of him without ever striking us back. You know what I mean? The very, the very streams from which our healing flows is the nature and the goodness and kindness of God. It's not a wrathful, bipolar God. It's someone who, I love 1 Corinthians 13, 5, when it says of love, that love keeps no records of wrongs. You know, it sees no evil. Amplified keeps no records of wrongs, keeps no record of evil. It's like love sees in a transformative way that is so backwards to this present reality that we live. And God wanted Moses to see that he loves this way. You know, I will allow people for your own sakes to beat the flesh off of my back. And you'll see the God that you're actually choosing to follow here is not the one that's trying to play games with you. You know, he's the one that's actually going to die for you, you know. So it happens. The Lord tells Moses, cut the two tablets of stone, you know. Don't break these ones, Moses. You know, but, um, you know, it says the, the Lord descended in the cloud in Exodus 34, 5. And he stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, proclaimed the, the Lord, the Lord God, most merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, the children upon the children's children, third and fourth generation. And he shows them his glory, and he, and, and he, and he announces his goodness. You know, it goes on into verse 29. Moses comes down from Sinai, you know, when they saw his face, it, it, glowworm, glowworm Moses happens in verse 30. <laughs> so Moses literally sees the glory of God, the essence and the nature of God. It's like, God, you've promised us this promised land. You've promised to our forefathers 
that you'd bring us back to it, that you would establish it, that you want good for us, that peace, that we'd be the head and not the tail, that you want blessing for us. You want us to be your people and you want to be your God. But for some reason, there's fear in my heart that you're not going to do what you're saying you're going to do, or you're not really going to be with us, or you're going to be with us, but you're going to do it in a way that's going to teach us a real hard lesson, and it's going to be terrible and awful. And all these, all these prerequisite views that come from pain and wound in our hearts that we actually place upon God, God for our own human experience. And God's reality is the 2 Corinthians 3. It's, it's actually, I want you to see what I look like. I want you to see how much I care for you. I want you to see that I'm not cruel and harsh. And it's like, you, you know, you can't provoke God to some anger, you know. I want you to see what it looks like, what, that God is actually love, 1 John 4, 8. And that He keeps no records of wrong. And that this glory is the key to the transformation, seeing Him as He is. See, the, man had been poisoned by the fall. And as soon as they had eaten of the tree of the dawn of good and evil, they were afraid of him and hid him as if he was going to be judgmental of them when they were the ones that ate the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. They are the ones that desired the judge between good and evil so that they would have power, you know. And what it did was it poisoned them and they saw the lover of their soul and their creator and dad as this one who was violent, aggressive, and angry towards them. And our walk in, Christ, in the Christian life is actually a transformation by seeing who Jesus truly is and seeing what he's actually done on our behalf and understanding that we can see in the very same way. And a lot of times seeing him as he is causes the transformation within us. But the transformation comes from becoming like him. In other words, the very things that have been done to us in life the very pains and disappointments and things that we've actually gone through, we actually start to see them in the way he sees them. We start to even see the people and the issues, the, the relational pains and hurts and disappointments that have happened through our life that still eat people's lunch on a daily basis when we see them through the glory of God. We see them through this, this transformation that we're called to step into we start to see them in a way that releases us from their pain, releases us from the grip of the past in our current life. And I wanted to just go ahead with that. 2 Corinthians 3, we're transformed as we, as we behold Him. We're transformed into the same image from glory to glory. 2 Corinthians 4 goes on to say in verse 6, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, the one who said, Let there be light who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The knowledge of the glory, the reality of the transformation of this new covenant is found in the face, the very person of Jesus. And just like Moses was finding out, you know, through the, the circumcision of, his, of the son that actually moved him through what he perceived as the wrath of God, there's something to us stepping into realizing what the Son has done on our behalf, realizing what the stripes on His back really and truly were, the God of the universe that through the stars across the entire universe didn't hold a thing against us. You know, His words being beaten and having His beard ripped out and being humiliated and stripped was like, forgive them, they don't know. And when I watched that movie, I was raising my hand as like, oh, they know. 
they're evil. They're, they're trash. They're garbage. They're evil. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're just jealous of you. They're motivated by the devil. They're all these things. But even that is the mentality of Adam. You know? Jesus is saying they don't know. They've been poisoned by something in the knowledge of good and evil that they've become something they never were meant to be. And so I don't have the burden of judging or condemning anyone. I want them to throw the whole kitchen sink at me, everything. Throw the book, throw all of your wrath at me so that I can show you what the glory of God is because I know that will transform you. You will see what God is like. He is not bipolar. He is not even angry. I don't remember that as being one of the fruits of his spirit. Anger. Love, joy, peace, and anger. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no, not, I, don't, you know, I, don't, I don't think so. It's not in there. Maybe that's the new King King James, 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 James version. Or something. I don't know. You know, it's, it's just not in there. It never will be. It's not his essence, you know? And it's just like, all, all you see is goodness come from him. And you see Golgotha, the mind, the empty skull of a mind where he was crucified, the, the mindset renewal of the cross of being able, you mean you're that way and you see me that way? And then I see others that way, and I carry no baggage, no burdens, no pain either. And it's like, yeah, that's it. That's what I say. Yeah, that's what's going on here. There's an ability to see in this, in this same way a love that holds no wrongs. Because when you, when you think about that, oh, you know, this is what we read at weddings, right? I never do it, but, uh, you know, love keeps no records of wrongs. Oh, that's nice. You don't get mad about what your wife did yesterday or whatever, you know what I'm saying? But... But when we think of the, when we think like God is love and he keeps no records of wrong, it's just like, what does that mean? He, he, he literally holds nothing against us. Well, that's kind of controversial. It's like, no, it's, 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 it's very, the gospel is very controversial. And Moses is actually seeing the glory of God in this New Testament gospel. It's like, hey, this is the extent Moses is questioning, are you really going to be with us? And, 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 and Jesus, God is showing him himself. He's like, this is how bad I want you to step into your inheritance. You want to see what my glory is? It's how, it's how much I'm willing to go through on my behalf to get you to where you're called to be, stepping into the sonship of the inheritance of God. You know. And we have the ability to see in this exact same way. And every time... Especially, you know, we had a meeting recently with a group of us, but I was, I was sharing something similar to this word. Is sometimes people in their walk with the Lord, we're walking through life or, you're, or, or even walking through your daily, day-to-day what's going on, you know, maybe your job or your work or you're working out or whatever it is you're doing, you're grocery shopping, you're listening to music. But things of the past that have nothing to do with the here and now still come up in our minds in people's minds. And sometimes they're actually triggers or things that have been done wrong to us. They're old relational wounds and, and, and they're old things that hurt from an old coach or an old relationship or an old pastor or, an, or a parent or something like that. And there's things that we still sometimes experience in the day-to-day life where we, where we have these random memories coming up within us. And sometimes if you ponder the memory for just a few moments, you feel in your stomach, in the pit of your chest, the emotion that was tied to that pain. 
when you got rejected or got betrayed or got whatever. And it's like, oh, that's... And then sometimes it takes a few minutes and then you snap out of it like, oh, any, anyways. And we brush it off, you know, maybe get behind me, Satan, if you're really religious and you really got it going like that. You know, you brush it off and then just continue to move about your day. You see, but the glory of God is, is a weighty thing that rests upon his believers and all those that choose to walk and follow him in this life. And the weightiness of the nature and the glory of God literally probes through our heart and through our spirit. And many times, those things which still remain unhealed, those areas which still aren't fully whole, that are still bleeding into our life, sometimes they're bleeding at such a small essence and such a small bit that they've contorted our person or our personality just enough to where we don't notice it. And then sometimes we're going through our middle of our day and we remember somebody that did us wrong back in eighth grade, some teacher that humiliated us in 10th grade or whatever it was. I'm like, man, if I was there, I wish I would have just elbowed him right in his face. Or I wish I would have done this. I'm like, well, wait a second. Where am I going with this? Get behind me, Satan. You know, next thing, you know what I mean? And, but the reality is, is those who walk with God, who is a consuming fire, his fire is constantly burning, pushing things to the surface. And this is that second thing. This is that, that taking every thought captive, you know, that exalts itself above the knowledge of the glory of who Christ Jesus truly is and what he's paid for. The purity of the, of the Golgotha, of that empty skull of a mind that is the mind of the spirit. And sometimes we go through our days and random things, pains in our heart, pains that have happened to us before, they just, they just come up almost like bubbles off the bottom of the ocean that just pop out in, into our consciousness. And we're like, what was that about? You know what I mean? Anyways, and, and, and the beauty is in the Christian walk, we understand that we've been given the power and authority to walk in wholeness and healing. And healing is, is the, is the, is the um, inheritance of every single one of us. And so every bit of pain from the past, every bit of painful in relationships that is still reaching itself from the backseat and trying to steer our car sometime to this day, God wants healed within our hearts. And sometimes it actually manifests in people's physical bodies as well. So we'll get to that. But, um, but God allows these things to come up because we've been empowered in this new covenant by seeing what he's done to step into his lineage, man. And what that looks like is one forgiving every single person that hurts us whenever that stuff comes up. And sometimes it's like, man, I, I've forgiven that teacher five times or that old girlfriend or boyfriend. I've forgiven that ex-husband. I've forgiven that person 10 times already. Why is this coming up today? It's just bothering me. Maybe, it's, maybe I just heard a song or something like that. But there's a, there's a level of wholeness that God wants in each one of our hearts that we see even those who have done us wrong through that mindset and through the eyes of 1 Corinthians 13.5, which it holds no records of wrong. Through the eyes of what Moses saw, the extent that God was willing to go for us, which literally said, they don't know. They don't know. Uh, they're beating you and torturing you extra harshly. It's like, yeah, it's because they don't know who they are. They're poisoned. It's not really them doing it to me. It's not really them. And we can step into this understanding to where we go beyond forgiving. We go beyond forgiving into that connection of relationship to where we ask the Lord, hey, I realize this is something you're, you're pointing out in me, you know. 
Would you fill this hole? Would you fill this space where apparently pain has a place within me to manifest itself so that it doesn't steer my personality, my life, my relationships now, my decisions that I make? Would you fill me in that I would be whole and that I would see these people as you do? And then you start to have this mindset change where you're inoffendable where no darkness can actually move itself into your heart. This is because like, there's, there's nowhere for it to stick. Jesus said this before he went through all this. He told his disciples, I believe it's John 14, the ruler of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. Like Satan's going to come. He's going to push every single button he possibly can. But what he doesn't know in my nature, there's no button that will cause anything to trigger or spring. There's nothing that he has within me. I'm fully whole and I'm fully of light. And he has this desire for us to see this same way to where we can actually see through true prophetic vision, which will cause all of your giftings to be sharp like razor blades, which is when you see through the eyes of love and you can see everybody, even the ones who've harmed you as like, well, they didn't know what they were doing. It wasn't really them. I'm pretty sure he knew what he was doing. It's like, no, that's the voice of Adam. Like he didn't know what he's doing. But my dad was abusive. You don't understand. My mom used to rip my hair out. It's like, yeah, but shh, it wasn't her. It was the effects of the fall within that woman. She didn't know what she was doing. She couldn't help it. She's doing what she could do. I'm choosing not to hold that against her. I release forgiveness there. That memory keeps coming up. Lord, I ask you to fulfill that hole and let me see like you. She doesn't know. I hold no, I hold no wrongs against her anymore. That's not, my mom did not rip my hair out just for, a, this is just an example. My mom listens to these things sometimes. I don't need that. I, you know, hey. But, um, you know, so that's not, that's just an example, right? Maybe, maybe your mom did. I don't know. Look, hopefully not, right? But um, there, there's an ability in the glory of God to be transformed into his image that he has for all of us. And sometimes it's like the best kept secret. It's really like we talk about being, you know, uh, emotionally whole and, emotional intelligence and all these different things, but spiritual intelligence actually navigates the thoughts of this life and takes them captive and makes them submit to the reality of who Jesus truly is and who he is to us. It's so whole. It's like we, we, we are called to be the powerhouse imagers of God, especially in Tyler, Texas, in my opinion, but, but in the world, you know what I mean? And he's, and he's walking us, the good shepherd, into wholeness. And sometimes wholeness, what it looks like, is having the buttons pushed and the Lord allowing things to manifest where there hasn't been wholeness before. And so I will encourage you to, if this is you and you're like, man, there's some things that have rung true in this for me today. There's some memories, some random things have been coming into my mind about situations and stuff that has nothing to do with me now, but I can even feel and sense the emotional pain that's there when it happens. I want to encourage you that you're not walking away from the Lord, but that seeing the, tr the transformative glory of who Jesus is, who the good father actually truly is, not filtered by a veil or the poison of the fall. Seeing his goodness and his kindness pass before you, seeing what his back looks like, seeing the extent that he's gone to recover you because he holds nothing against no one because he also understands they forgive him. They don't know what they do. 
even the most savage, even the most brutal, they don't know. They've been poisoned. They're intoxicated with the poison of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They are not themselves and are refused to strike them back. He said, he told the disciples, do not fear. He has nothing in me. In other words, like, I'm Yahweh and I can obliterate you guys, but don't be afraid. He will not get me to turn on you. No matter what he motivates you to do to me, I will never turn on my kids. Abba. That's him. That's him. That's dad. He can, he can puppet you guys all he wants with his poison and he can unleash anything out of hell against me, humiliate me, strip me, rip my beard, he can do anything he wants, torment me to where I can barely even take it, but I will not strike you guys because that is not God. That is a bipolar pagan deity that you've inherited from the Sumerians or wherever else, and it is not me. And when you see what I'm truly like, you'll be like me because you are like me because you were created in my image and you're created as powers, messengers of power of my spirit, which is within you to manifest the giftings of power on the earth. And when you recognize that they all function through this love that holds no judgments against anybody else, you'll step into this reality because you'll be whole. And that I believe is the message for the day. And maybe we'll pray for some folks. Um, let's see. Navigate this. Um, okay. If you're uncomfortable, you can... We'll have prophetic teams afterwards, right? So we have those going on. I highly encourage you to do that. The, 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 the teams that pray for people up here, there's, there'll be two different teams. 1 Corinthians 14.3, edification, exhortation, comfort, all positive. Minister to you. Um, take it before the Lord and judge it. It's really brilliant. Um, especially if you're you new or haven't been here for a while very much. Um, that'd be good just so we're not here too long because there's a lot of people here. But also, if some of the things I said struck a nerve, okay, when especially, why don't we just pray? I mean, we're at a church. We might as well pray as a church. If some of the things that I've said to you have struck a nerve today, and, and it's just like you've thought like, hey, this has been happening to me. There's some of the issues of the heart and some of for strange, random disappointments, pains, regrets have actually been coming up in my mind, in my consciousness this past week or two. And I don't even know why. And sometimes they hold on to my heart until I catch them for a second. I'm like, get out of here. You know what I'm saying? But this understanding has happened to you. I would love to pray right now as a whole church and as a whole body that the Lord would come and not only would you be able to release forgiveness, which I'm sure you have if you're a Christian, you're walking this life, but that he would actually fulfill and fill those holes where pain is, has access and give you the vision of the glory of God to actually step into the wholeness of the reality of this covenant. So why don't we do that? If that is you, I know this is a brave thing. Would you please stand up and we're gonna pray for you as a church. If any of this stuff kind of triggers you, and has triggered you and has come up in your heart, um, we'd be totally glad. This is what we're, we're about. Yeah, so there's a lot. So now you should feel a lot more comfortable standing up if it's you. All right. If you're a Christian, if, you're, if you have the Spirit of God within you, 
and you feel compassion and you want to be used by the Lord to minister his wholeness and healing to others, if it's okay with the people that are standing, why don't you put a hand on a shoulder or something like that and we'll pray for them as a family and as a body. You know what I mean? Because there's no shame in this, but I want to just minister this um, for everyone and just as I pray and then... And, Feel free to pray over them. If the Lord shows you something encouraging for them, you know, go for it. But Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. For your healing. And your wholeness that you've given yourself to us that by your wounds we've been healed. And this happened almost 2,000 years ago. We thank you for your love, Father, that holds no records of wrong. And Lord, even as our brothers and sisters who have gone through pain, who've gone through some disappointment, and for some reason, maybe have gotten over it, but it's still coming up. Lord, I ask you for your healing touch now, as they are able to really release forgiveness to all those who've wronged, we just choose as a family right now to forgive those who sinned against us and indebted us. We just all choose that together as we're all praying together. And we ask that your light, the glory of your nature and your light would come and would fill those holes in our vessels and our hearts that, that, that you want to be whole, that we would be carriers of the glory of God, the nature of God, the power of God, your spirit in such a profound way that our lives would spew this healing everywhere we go. We just release the healing of the blood flow of the Lord Jesus, the lamb that was shed for all of us right now. And we accept that healing and we so appreciate that healing, Lord, and what you've done. Let us see like you. Let there, let there be light and wholeness that fills every hole and every, every wound in this place. Give us the vision that actually can even see people as like, hey, they didn't know. They didn't know. And let there be a release where this is not cyclical anymore. These old cyclical pains, they don't come back. If something comes back and these memories come back, that it comes back with no pain, no regret, but it's only just intercession and blessing released. Let these be the messengers of your power, the messengers of your kingdom. Amen.